ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Wednesday, April 15th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk to John Elmore. He's going to be on the program about 10 minutes from now, so looking forward to talking to him. And, of course, we'll get your phone calls in. Best way to find me today on social media, you can go to Twitter, at Paul Swan. That's my handle, at Paul Swan. And looking forward to seeing all your comments. And, of course, everything else you can throw at me. Looking forward to seeing all of that this afternoon. So we got a couple of good things to talk about first before we talk to John Elmore. We'll keep it with the basketball theme. Marshall men's basketball announcing the signing. It's official now. We knew it was going to happen. But Logan High School standout David Early, it's official now. So John Elmore, maybe he can talk about him a little bit more. I know Dan will be able to talk about him more as well. But here's a guy who finished his career as the all-time leading scorer at Logan with over 2,200 points. He led the Cardinal Conference in scoring the last three seasons and named first-team All-State during the 2018-19 season. Now, it was a shortened season for sure, but in 18 games, he averaged a double-double with 27.8 points per game and 12.1 rebounds per contest. He recorded 11 double-doubles during his high school career. So he's now in the fold for the Thundering Herd. And the Marshall women's basketball team announcing the signing of grad transfer and Huntington native Kennedy Colclaw. Good news for her. We can finally talk about her. And so Tony Kemper is going to join us on the program tomorrow. I'm looking forward to him coming on the program. We'll get into some details about Marshall basketball. I'm looking forward to really having a good conversation with Tony. He's very forthcoming at all times, so uh, I'm excited to get him on the program tomorrow. But we'll talk more basketball later, more basketball Marshall-specific tomorrow with Tony Kemper, John Elmore, We'll talk basketball with him here in a few minutes. We've got some other things to get into. And, of course, you know the reality of our situation. We're another day without sports, and it's kind of wearing thin on a lot of people. We've got a month, and I know people are getting stir-crazy, and I know people are upset because of the economic situation we're in. I'm upset right now. I've had things happen to me just this very hour. I'm upset, and I understand. I get it with you. and. I know that there's that push to get things back as fast as we can. It's difficult to make that coincide with the flattening of the curve that we've been trying to do with the COVID-19 pandemic, the coronavirus. And there have been speculation, plans upon plans to try to get sports back in some form or fashion. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci, if you've been following the news any shape or form, you know this is one of the nation's top doctors. He's pretty much the guy we're listening to right now. He is in charge of leading the response to the coronavirus. And he has even opened the door just a little bit for sports returning. But there are some things you got to keep in mind with this. He has said sports can come back without fans. It is 
possible. It's in the realm of possibility. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Can it happen? Well, there's a crack right now. The door has been cracked open just a little bit. And so here's what's got to happen. The leagues or the organizations, they have got to procure massive amounts of tests, and they've got to monitor their players very closely. Now, I don't know how you feel. You might think, okay, that's great. Let's get these guys going. Let's get these sports back. I don't know how you feel about sports leagues getting their hands on massive amounts of tests, the equipment that goes along with it. And it wouldn't be just the players. It would be coaches, support staff, everybody involved, not just the players on the court, not just the general manager, not just the team president, not just the support staff, coaches, none of that. You've got so many more support staff to put in place here to make these things work. You just can't open up the doors to a building and say, here, go play basketball. And, of course, these things would want to be broadcast. The leagues would want these things on television. How do you get that? Well, you've got to involve broadcast partners. And it's easy to say, well, have our play-by-play guys do it from the studio. Okay, technically it's possible. It's happened for a lot of sports. A lot of martial games have done been done that way. But you got to think all the logistics that go into getting this ready. And, of course, testing. I don't know how you feel about the sports leagues having their hands on so many tests when some of you probably feel that I would like a test. I can't get a test. And, of course, I can't speak for everybody. But that could be something that might not be a good look. But for others, they're all for this, I'm sure. So this would divide a lot of people, I think. And college football, we don't know what's going to happen right now. And we've got so much to talk about later on about college football because without college football, the economic engine for college athletics is going to run out of gas quickly. It's going to be a major concern. But back to this with Dr. Fauci, you've got to put athletes in hotels. Wherever you're going to go, wherever the location will be, you've got to put them in hotels. You've got to survey them. You've got to have them tested every week. You've got to make sure they're not infecting other people, families. Let them play the season out. Can you play these sports without fans in the stands just for the television money? I don't know. Would it be good for a lot of people's psyche? Maybe. And for others? I don't know. Because there's still a risk involved. Because the ultimate argument here is, If it's not safe for the fans, why is it safe for the players? But that's one story that we're going to keep our eye on. Another story we're going to keep our eye on, of course, is this college athletics situation with finances. And we'll talk more about that later. I really want to get into that with you. But I want to change gears just for a moment because coming back on the program here in a few minutes, we're going to hear from John Elmore. Johnny Buckets is coming on the program. We're going to talk to him about life after Marshall, his current situation. Appreciate him coming on the program today. And we're going to do all of that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And the bad news is we're still without sports. The good news is it's been a great few weeks because we get a chance to catch up with some guys and some ladies that uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to in a while. And joining us today on the program, he is one of Marshall's all-time greats in basketball, and he is uh, continuing his career overseas. John Elmore is with us on the program. And uh, yeah, that doesn't get old, just hearing your name, all-time great, one of the all-time greats. No, no, man. It's, it's, it's all good fun. Uh, I mean, I was lucky to have a career at Marshall and uh, lucky to be in the situation so glad it happened. What does that mean to you, the the legacy you left? Because you were playing to win. You were playing to make sure that Marshall got the victory. But along the way, you became one of the all-time greats in your efforts. And now that you've had some time to maybe just step back and see what you did, what it meant, what comes to mind when you when you look back on your career? Uh, you know, I think I was really lucky, but uh, I put in a lot of work over the years. Um, my family was there every step of the way, uh, whether that was going to the gym or they were putting me in situations or giving me opportunities that I could um, expand my game or get better. So um, I got to credit a lot to my family just because they were there um, every step of the way encouraging me. Um, it, things weren't always great. You know, I played uh, some bad basketball here and there, but they always stood by my side, um, had my back and tried to motivate me as much as possible. And um, I, I got, I got, I think everybody has to have a little luck on the way along the way, and I think I got lucky along the way, and uh, was very fortunate to have it play out the way it did. Now you've carried on basketball since Marshall, and you've made it known that you want to play professional. You're doing that right now, and then maybe after this, maybe you want to go into coaching. But was it difficult, maybe trying to find your place where you're at in basketball right now, because? NBA possibly still an option. There are still lots of doors open for you, but you're on that journey now to just maybe find that place for you in professional sports. Oh, no, for sure. You're right. Um, it's a grind every day. You know, my goal is to play in the NBA um, and take whatever route is necessary to try to get there. Um, I'm not going to give up whether it works or whether it doesn't work. I'm going to give it all, give it everything I got. And at the end of the day, I'll be able to say, you know, um, I had a good career, but it just didn't work out. Um, but like you said, I, uh, I'm playing overseas now. I played for two teams this year in Italy professionally. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky, man. I get paid to wake up and play basketball. Uh, so I'm very fortunate. That was my goal um, in college was to one day play professionally. And now I have that opportunity. Uh, I've been really blessed. And, you know, it was, it was a difficult transition because, um, I was in a foreign country. Italy's a beautiful country, great food, great food, great people. But I mean, there is the language barrier. My first team, my head coach didn't speak one word of English. So you're getting subbed out of the game. You don't, you don't even know what's going on. So, um, it's definitely a transition from playing for coach D'Antoni where he kind of gave me the keys and, um, just instilled the utmost confidence in all his players. But you know, it's been, uh, it's been an up and down rookie year. It just came to an end as they canceled it the other day because of the virus. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to keep playing and hopefully next year, um, I take another step forward and maybe NBA happens. Maybe it does, but I'm going to keep playing basketball. and That's what I love to do. John Elmore is with us. Could you talk about that experience of just having your season cut short, taken away from you 
You know here in the States, college athletics, some people saw their career end without them being able to control their destiny. Other sports completely got upended without even really starting. And for you, your season's cut short. Have you ever been in a situation like this? And what was it like when you found out? No, I've never, I've never seen anything like. I think most people haven't seen anything like this. Where I was in Italy, you know, Italy kind of, um, it kind of hit Italy before it really took off in the U.S. So we were a few weeks ahead when I was over there with the virus, and so there started to be talks of um, certain regions in Italy had been hit harder than the others, and um, they were telling people to watch traveling there. You know, they were putting restrictions on certain places, and. Um, so we had a few games scheduled in the regions that the virus had really hit hard, and they had to totally reschedule the games. This was before the announcement was made to cancel the season. So then we had a home game, and they told us that no friends, family, or um, fans could be in attendance. So we had one of the last games we had over there. There was nobody in the building besides our team managers, my teammates, and the coaching staff and the other team. I mean, it was essentially like playing a pickup game in the summer. I mean, you score a basket and it's just dead quiet in there. So um, after after that happened, uh, the league came out and said that they were going to suspend the league, and most of the Americans went home. And it was wasn't until the other day that the league actually canceled and says, "All right, it doesn't look like we'll be able to finish." So, um, but I mean, just being in that situation and then looking back over here and seeing like what happened with my Marshall teammates having their season cut short and the NBA having that season. Um, suspended as well. It's just, I mean, it's been terrible. I mean, everybody's like sports are canceled. It's, it's awful, but everybody's whole life is on pause right now. So um, sports kind of take a back seat, but I mean, everybody, so many people love basketball and football and baseball and all those sports. That it's really sad to see what's going on right now. As a professional yourself, you see the plans and all of the discussions trying to find ways to bring sports back so many people have thrown out the plan to play without fans. As you just mentioned, it felt like a pickup game. What are your thoughts on all of these plans and all these discussions to try to bring sports back in a limited capacity and maybe without fans? Um, you know, I'm not no doctor or anything, but I'm thinking, I mean, from everything I've, the studies I've read and stuff like that, I'm thinking that's the most um, valid option at this time is, um, for a, a little while at least it's not looking like any fans are going to be in the gym and i mean that's crazy to think about you're watching professional sports games or mlb games or even just regular games there's always people there there's always a the crowd there's always that atmosphere but now we're talking about for i mean the most distant future and time being for now that games might really be empty for a while and um that's definitely going to be an adjustment for people and players and fans. I mean, it's just, I mean, these are times nobody's ever seen before. As a professional now, would you have any apprehension of playing now that we're right in the middle of a pandemic? Would you have maybe any concerns of going and playing a basketball game or being isolated to play basketball? Um, I think, I think I would, you know, I was kind of in the situation a little bit where we were playing in Italy and there were some really hot regions with the virus. And, um, you know, some of my teammates were really hesitant to, um, to play. I mean, we had meetings with the coaching staff and stuff like that about would we travel to certain games because of they were the hot regions and stuff like that. So 
I mean, you're talking about professional athletes, and yeah, they get paid a lot of money to play sports, but these these guys have families. I mean, you're going home. Essentially, you would have to be taken away from your family because you're out in public around people, or you're out around a certain amount of people playing the games, and then after the game, you would probably have to stay away from your family because then you were just around a bunch of people. I mean, there's so many details and stuff that would go into it to have to start the league back, start the leagues back up. I mean, it's almost scary to think about how many scenarios would have to go 100% correct just to get sports back up at this time. John Elmore is with us. And I guess my follow-up to that is, is there a certain point where you would say, okay, I'm confident enough, let's do this? I mean, can that point be reached right now, or are we still maybe in your mind a few months away from even having this conversation? I think we're still a little while away. Um, You know, like I said, I'm not 100% certified. I just know what I read and have kind of seen the situation um, up close and personal. I mean, I don't I don't know how you start back anytime soon. I'm saying I think a month minimum, but some studies are saying maybe not till January of um, 2021 can fans be back in the gym. So I'm thinking you can start the games and have um, have no fans there before before not too long. But before it goes back to normal and you have fans in the stadium again, I, I don't know when that could be. One of the all-time greats of Marshall basketball, John Elmore with us on the program. And – now that your season's over, what are you doing to maybe stay in shape, workouts, everything that goes into just staying ready? Because if there is a possibility, the basketball tournament is still a thing. And I know we're talking several months away now, but you know, how are you handling your time just maybe trying to stay basketball ready? Because you could go again, and you don't know when. Right. No, you're right. Um, I mean, I've read – some NBA players haven't picked up a basketball since the season was shut down. I mean, not everybody has access to a court. Um, a lot of parks around the area are locked up, um, even outdoor courts. Um, you know, so I've heard a lot of people are, I know personally I'm doing a lot of running outside, um, but it's hard. I mean, you're talking about training for basketball when there's no courts open, gyms are closed. Uh, everybody's got a social distance. I mean, these are just, Crazy times, but like you said, the CBT isn't until the end of July. We're really excited and fired up for that. But, I mean, at this point, nobody knows if that's even going to happen. So everybody's trying to stay ready and um, lock in for that. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's so much unknown surrounding it right now that who knows what could happen. Imagine a scenario where the, the basketball tournament is the first thing to go, and they figure out how to do this safely for everybody. So many eyeballs will be on you and everyone playing this thing. I mean, it would definitely help us right now. We're all sports starved, and it would be a great way for you to showcase yourself, showcase the state, because before all of this happened, we were excited the fact that it was coming to the Mountain State. Uh, this is going to be right dead in the center of West Virginia for all to see. Uh, I mean, having the TBT in West Virginia, I think, is awesome, uh, because for those that don't know, it's the basketball tournament is a um, single elimination tournament, kind of like NCAAs, and the winning team gets $2 million. Uh, they signed the recent um, ESPN deal where most of the games are broadcasted on national television. Um, got a Puma sponsorship where they have all kinds of Puma gear and apparel that gives out that they're giving out to the teams and sponsor everything. So 
I mean, it's a big-time opportunity for the state, especially Charleston and the Civic Center, or the Charleston Coliseum now. Um, just a big-time opportunity to showcase the talent around the state and uh, put West Virginia on the map. So having this all up in limbo is just kind of sad and crazy to see because, like you said, it's a great opportunity. So hopefully hopefully things will clear up and we'll be able to do that and um, have the TBT rocking and, like you said, uh, show out on the national scene. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you still have to operate as if it's going on. You can't just sit back and go, all right, because there's a lot of social media that goes on with this and a lot of your teams doing other things to make sure that, you know, I mean, you're basically almost a partner of this tournament in so many regards because yeah, so many teams get, I guess, what, the uh, they're, they're the host team, like uh, the West Virginia team, and then, you know, mm-hmm. your team's in, but you've also got to hustle and work and do other things as well to, I guess, secure your entry. How does that work exactly? Um, You know, I think uh, the TBT does a great job of kind of uh, sorting out who gets in and who doesn't. Um, some teams get automatic bids. I believe we got an automatic bid last year. Um, some teams have to get fan votes to get voted in. Um, so I'm not 100% sure how they're going to do that. I think we'll be in the tournament. Hopefully it's an automatic bid. But um, it, like you said, nobody knows, but we're still going forward like we're playing. Um, we're trying to finalize the roster. You get nine roster spots, and then you could pay to have additional spots. But so far we have seven lined up. Um, we're, we haven't unveiled our last two. We're still kind of doing a little recruiting, still uh, giving our sales pitch to some guys. But we think we have – pretty good idea of who's going to play but um you know it's fun it's a fun summer event you're playing for two million dollars on national television so hopefully they have it and we get to kind of represent um as some of the marshall alumni and some of the other guys that will be playing with us so uh we're looking forward to it if it happens for sure and that was a a different approach this year for the squad to represent Marshall because you're the West Virginia Wildcats. You're representing a lot of people in the state of West Virginia, but you've taken it to a little bit more specific theme at the same time. You're reaching out to some different guys and, you know, was that a big deal for you to maybe push it in this direction? You know, we always, so last year we had, I think four Marshall guys, uh, myself, TV, Ryan Taylor and Ott. Um, and now we've added CJ. So that's five CJ Burke. So, um, I mean, the the main foundation of it is kind of a Marshall-based alumni team. So um, we were talking with some of the TBT guys, and they thought it would be a good idea because our main core is Marshall guy, Marshall alumni. So we'll add, we might add a couple grad transfers here and there um, to, to the roster to help represent the third alumni team. But, you know, it's a fun event. Uh, they do a great job organizing it. Um, it ran about as good as any tournament in the world. So we're lucky to be a part of it. and um, Hopefully we can win $2 million. That doesn't sound half bad. No, that's a good deal. Right there, $2 million. <laughs> get to play in front of your fans in, in West Virginia. and I mean, especially in Charleston. I mean, home court. It's your home court. I mean, this is your court. Yeah, no, we've played. I've played a lot of games there. Um, CJ played a lot of games there. Stevie's played there. Ott's played there. Um, Ryan Taylor's played there. I think couple times yeah two times i think two or three times so no we're very familiar with that um, a lot of friends and family uh hopefully a lot of marshall fans will come out if fans can come to the games and they have the tournament so i mean there's so much up in the air right now but i mean we're treating it as if, as if everything will be normal and we'll be ready to roll 
Joining us on the program, one of the all-time greats at Marshall University, John Elmore. And I want to take you to a different direction just for a minute. Uh, you wisely maximized every opportunity you could trying to pursue the MBA and still stay in college athletics to take advantage of all opportunities. Jared West is doing the same thing. He's declaring for the NBA draft, but at the same time, he's remaining eligible so he can come back if he chooses to do so. Did you have any um, you know, advice for him? Did you talk to him a little bit, or you know, was he in your ear a little bit, you in his ear, trying to maybe hash this out, figure the best path for him? Because it, it feels like you set a really smart path for these guys to take advantage of these opportunities. Yeah, I talked to Jared. You know, he had a good, really good year. Um, I mean, such a good dude and worked so hard. Um, he hit me up and just asked for a little advice about the process. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad he did it um, because you don't you don't lose anything. You put your name out there. You have a chance to go play for millions of dollars. Um, but also you have a chance to get evaluated. So say you decide to withdraw from the draft. Um, you can get feedback from these organizations, their front office people, their scouts, their coaches, et cetera. Um, so it's a win-win. You either you either go and put your foot in all the way in, and you try to get drafted and play professionally, or you go get all the information, get feedback about what you can improve moving forward, and you go back to school and have a good senior year. So, you know, I think um, fans and the coaching staff and everybody are real should be real supportive of it because it's a great opportunity for him to get his name out there and. Um, if they do have workouts and stuff, to go into workouts and match up with these guys and see who has what. But, you know, it's a fun, a fun process, and I'm glad he did it. It feels like he's got an advantage where some other guys haven't. And you've got Coach Dan D'Antoni, who is always there for, for you and all the guys on the team giving you advice, and he has that knowledge. Do you think you would have got that expertise anywhere else the way you did here with Marshall and Coach Dan? Um, No, no. I think Coach Dan Tony um, was able to help me a ton throughout the whole process. Um, you know, funny story a lot of people don't know. Um, it was my junior year during the summer, and um, I had a meeting with Coach Dan Tony, and we were talking about everything and um i had three options that summer i could um go pro and leave marshall i could come back to marshall or i could graduate and transfer somewhere else and um the, the idea was i would go to a bigger school and be on a higher level and try to see what i could do and you know i was with coach d'antoni and he was so supportive of everything he called nba people he called scouts he said um what what's the best route for john to take and, you know, just talking with them. I mean, what? not many coaches would be that supportive of two options where I might leave and one option where I come back. I mean, he was um, as good about it and handled it the best way, I mean, you could have ever imagined. I mean, he encouraged every – he encouraged me to look at every idea, um, try to find out what was best for myself and my family and my career moving forward. So um, I owe him a lot and just – Having that, having him run the program and advise these guys there now, um, we're really lucky. John Elmore with us on the program. Before we let you go, I know you follow her hoops no matter where you're at. Uh, today it's official. Logan High School standout David Early signs with the herd. And yeah, I know um, you follow this team closely enough to kind of have an idea. 
even though it was a disappointing end to the season because the season didn't get to finish properly, this team, in your estimation, you feel pretty loaded coming back? I do. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, they, they were kind of up and down a little bit during the year. But um, towards the end, I think they really start to hit their stride. Um, I think that's when they were playing their best ball was down the stretch. So bringing everybody back, um, I think Herd fans should be really excited because they'll have Jared, Tavion, Darius, Jansen. I mean, a lot of those senior leaders are coming back. So, I mean, I'm really excited to see where they go from here. Um, like you said, they're bringing in some good recruits with David, Obina, um, I don't know what else they have lined up, but some of those in-state talent kids that are going to Marshall to continue that pipeline. Um, I'm really excited to see where they, what, how they finish next year because I think uh, I think they have a good chance. John Elmore with us. Good talking to you again. Let's do it soon, and hopefully in a few months we can talk about the basketball tournament and you guys getting ready to win two million. Yeah, man, definitely. Thanks for having me. That's John Elmore, one of the all-time greats of Marshall basketball. Great catching up with him. We are going to continue on with your phone calls when we come back from break. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. we got a lot to get into. Landscape of college athletics, athletics in period, changing on a daily basis. Uh, this is the most fluid I've ever seen it. And interesting story from CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd reporting, Vice President Mike Pence Listening today on a conference call with the College Football Playoff Management Committee, they were discussing the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on college athletics. And this is an assertion of the story itself, but one conclusion drawn, according to the story, was that Pence was good at listening, taking it all in. And the big takeaway from all of this was, there will be no college football until students are allowed on campus. Now, this is Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. He was on the call. He is quoted as saying, our players are students. If we're not in college, we're not having contest." And I think that's a big takeaway. Because if it's not safe for the students to be on campus, then you're not having sports. Now, he did add on the call, and this is quoted again from Bob Bowlesby, our message was we need to get universities and colleges back open, that we were education-based programs, and we weren't going to have sports until we had something closer to normal college going on. Now, I agree with that assertion that you want to get the universities going again, and I get that. Everybody wants to get going. I want to get going again. We're all on the same page here. How we go about it, we might differ a little bit. But I think this is a strong message that if we're not back normal or close to normal and we're not back in class and we're not having college learning the traditional way of having students on campus, then why are we having sports? And the answer is we're not because students have to be on campus. 
End of story. If students aren't back on campus, then college athletics isn't happening. Now, if it's deemed safe for students to be on campus, and there are, of course, going to be proper protections put in place, because I can't imagine there wouldn't be, to the point where I don't even think I need to bring that up, because there has to be. You just can't go into this the same way you would any other year because everything has changed. But that's the big takeaway. If you get to a point where it's okay to be back on campus, then it should be a lot easier to put on sporting events. And there still might be restrictions. Who knows? And, of course, athletic departments have got to act like they're going to have a season. I mean, we got a a story today, a release from Marshall. They've extended their ticket renewal date. The deadline now to renew is moved to May 29th. Now, this is the second extension, and the reason being is because the athletic department, the university, they understand that, you know what? Right now, we're all struggling a little bit, and they have to operate as if there's a football season. So I don't take anything wrong from Marshall talking about, hey, we're going to be playing in August because right now, until otherwise notified, we got Marshall football coming up in August, right? And so they've got to prepare for the season, whatever shape, form that may take. But at the same time, Marshall and other athletic departments, they have to act as if we've got a season coming up because it's a few months away. Because we don't know what the landscape's going to look like in June, July, August. We don't know. Now, there are some payment plan options, and I would invite you to go into HerdZone.com and check that out. I could read them all here to you, but... Uh, I might make your head swim a little bit, just giving you ticket options. All you need to do is go online. If you haven't already renewed, hard copies have been mailed out, and you can go online. You can call the office during their normal hours. you got payment plan options as well. You can defer. There's some more information there. Uh, Again, go to HerdZone.com on that one. They will explain it to you way better than I could even attempt to. So ticket options are available for you. Marshall planning ahead as if football season will continue and will be on time. And that's not a bad way to go about this. But at the same time, they're preparing for whatever outcome happens. There could be a shortened season. There could be a season pushed back. We might have to shuffle all the dates and start this differently. We might have to play in different months than we've always Depended on football being in. I mean, depend on football being in the fall months going into Christmas. No, it could go past Christmas. It could start past Christmas. And of course, I understand because here's the deal public universities, and this is according to a story out of USA Today, public universities could lose at least $4.1 billion in fiscal year revenue if no football season is played. So there's part of the dilemma here. Things could be normal. Things could be on a tightened budget. Things could go nuclear. And you're talking at least $4.1 billion in fiscal year revenue. And that's just at the public schools. There are 50-plus public schools that the story looked at in the Power Five conferences. So you're averaging, if you average it all up, more than $78 million per school. And USA Today does a really good job of finances and analyzing all this. And of course, 
if you remember, they're the website you go to on a yearly basis to see what Doc Holliday's making, what Neil Brown's making, and what every other coach is making, and what is being brought in. They do a fantastic job of tracking all of that. So on top of that is everything else, all the secondary, tertiary, and every other connection to the athletic department and sport being played, all of that's going to take a hit as well because all of a sudden you're going to lose revenue from hotel rooms. You're going to lose revenue from restaurants. You're going to lose revenue from everything that you can possibly think of that is touched by a mass amount of people going to a football game on any given Saturday. That's the big deal here. And so you're trying to balance, are we going to have football? And you're trying to balance, when will it be safe to bring these kids back? You're trying to balance all of this. Because nobody's saying, let's do away with football. Everyone's saying, when's it going to be safe? I think that's the fair thing. But at the same time, these athletic departments, they might have to bunker down a little bit. And nobody wants that, but it's the reality. Unfortunate reality. You could see athletics cut staff. You could see sports maybe dropped. Cincinnati dropping soccer yesterday. We really didn't get a chance to get into that, but they dropped soccer yesterday. They're going to save some money there by dropping soccer. The group of five schools have asked for relief from the NCAA. And I won't get into all the details of that, but they're basically looking for some relief from the restrictions or the requirements. Maybe that's a better word. Requirements of their membership in Division One. You could see possibility of reductions in scholarship, maybe. You could see reductions in scheduling requirements. You could see reductions of sports. All of a sudden, you're not required to carry a certain amount of sports. Well, you're going to look at some of the sports you carry and go, okay, uh, for the greater good, guess what? The swim team's gone. The soccer team's gone. The tennis team's gone. The softball team's gone. And I'm just throwing sports out randomly because I'm not the one in the athletic department that has to make that decision across the country. This could open the door up. But I think Cincinnati just provided cover for a lot of programs. With cutting soccer and with them going and doing it, they're providing some cover here. And if this thing goes through, and if the NCAA looks at this a little bit more and helps out the group of five schools, helps them with their requirements, giving them some relief, athletic departments are going to do what they need to do to survive. And what happens when you're not bringing in revenue? Well, you're losing revenue. And what do you do? You cut. You cut expenses. You stop spending You streamline, you do everything you can to run a tighter ship. And if you have sports that are a drain on your athletic department and you don't have football to pay for this stuff, unfortunately, there might be some decisions in universities and athletic departments across the country. And I hate that. But unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. It's a terrible time. 
Hopefully we're going to get through it, though. And again, I appreciate everyone being with me here today as we try to get through it together. We're going to wrap up the program when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on tomorrow's edition, we'll hear from the head coach of the Marshall women's basketball team, Tony Kemper. Looking forward to talking to him. Some additions, some subtractions to his team. We'll break it all down coming up tomorrow. Looking forward to talking to the head coach of the women's team. I'm kind of interested to see how his squad is handling everything as well because this is one of the teams that season abruptly ending, not due to anything of their own doing. And we really haven't had a chance to talk to Tony recently, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him. So that's coming up tomorrow on the show, and I'm looking forward to that as well. We're in a fluid situation right now, but I think we've got some positives still to focus on. Uh, One thing is for sure, whatever's going on, uh, we're going to keep you updated with it. So uh, thanks for the opportunity once again to be here. I do really appreciate the fact that uh, I am able to be able to to come back and do this on a daily basis with you. And if you missed any part of the program today, again, don't forget, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn. And have you checked out that new Amazon Echo app? All you have to do is go to the Amazon Alexa store, get your app enabled. And once you do that, all you have to say is, Alexa, play. ESPN 94.1. So search it out right now on the App Store. It's a great way to listen to the program by using your Amazon Echo device. I do it all the time. It's great for me, and hopefully you get a lot out of it as well. That's going to do it for this edition. Special thanks to John Elmore. We appreciate our producer working remotely. Spencer Dupuy. For those gentlemen, I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.